Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 266 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I am good, and I'm really excited about this topic today. We are talking about moving. And what's funny is that this was going to be one of our things we shouldn't have freaked out about from last week. And then when we started talking about it, we realized, oh, well, there's too much to actually cover here as just part of one episode. We should do one whole episode about moving. And then the more we talked about it, the more we were like, nope, actually, we could do two episodes on moving because there is a lot to say, right? Um, And I I think this is something that like a lot of people go through with kids at some point in their parenting journey. Yes, I agree. And actually, even from our offhand comment last week that we were going to tackle moving as part of a bigger episode, we got multiple emails from you all saying, please talk about moving. We're planning a big move. And I also think whether you're moving just across town or some people are maybe just making a school move for their kids, there's a lot that we're going to talk about that can kind of apply to other big life transitions. Um, It's not, I think, I think it works whether you're talking about a small move across town, some big future move, or even maybe a a job change or some other life transitions that doesn't mean you pack up in boxes, but a lot, it goes through a lot of the same emotions, I think. I agree. And even people who don't have a move on their horizon, I feel like it's a very, I guess it's a normal thing for people um, with young kids to kind of be thinking about what's next Mm -hmm. or what will happen in the next stage. So I feel like a move is always like in the air, (laughs) even if it doesn't actually happen. It's one of those things that could potentially happen to anyone at any time. So it really is something that is often on their minds. Yeah. Um, so today, this is a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Today's episode, we're going to talk about sort of the leading up to a big move, the thinking, the dreaming, the planning, sometimes the fantasizing about a move that may never happen. Um, that's been a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And then next week, we'll dig into the nitty gritty of doing it, whether you're actually moving across the country or into a different country. Neither of us have ever done that, but right. I think a lot would apply or just across town like I've done many times. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. 
Um, well, let's just start this off by acknowledging we have both moved a lot. You definitely have me beat, but I think I have moved probably more than a lot of people as well. So maybe um, just to kick it off today, we can do the super quick version of our big moves, both the ones we made growing up and then those we've made as adults with our own families too. So should I like buckle up for yours? I'm a little afraid. Yeah, this here. is kind of crazy. I'll go through as quick as I can, but I was laughing when I was writing this all down. Um, cause I did, I had lost count of some of these. So I was born in, uh, Northern Michigan, a little town called Munising, which is on Lake Superior. I lived in two houses there. I actually got to go back into one of the houses last year. Cause it's a gift shop now. That I was remember really fun. That. Yeah. That's so that's cool. really cool. Um, but then we moved to Sault Ste. Marie, also in the Upper Peninsula, when I was four. And then we lived in four different or three different houses there, which actually meant I went to two different kindergartens. And I have very clear memories of both kindergartens, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then moved downstate at uh, about 12. I was in eighth grade and I lived in three different houses in one town, then moved across the state when I was 14, lived in the same house for three years. That's a good record. <laughs> then my family moved to Indiana right after I graduated high school. Then a year later, I went to college in Michigan. Then I moved to Nashville, which is where Jacob was born. Lived there for about, I don't know, close to a year, maybe a little more than a year. Then back to uh, Michigan, but this was the Lansing area. My sister lived there um, when Jacob was about five months old. Lived there for two years. That's where Isaac was born. Then John got a job in Minneapolis. We all moved out to Minneapolis, lived there for, I don't know, maybe a year. Then we moved back to South Bend, which is in Indiana, which is where my parents lived. Then back to Minneapolis, <laughs> then Lansing again. We're then that area for about eight years, but in Lansing proper, a couple different places, and then another little town just outside of Lansing. Then the big move to Chicago, which was a little over a year, and then to St. Joe, where I've lived for 12 years. This is by far and away the longest I've ever lived in one town. Um, but we've lived in five different houses here. So it's still been a lot of moving and I counted it all up once not too long ago. And it's like well over 20 houses, maybe like close to 30. It's been a lot. Yeah. And most of those did happen as an adult with kids in tow. So I've done that packing up the toys and the books, um, many, many times, many times. Yeah. You could really host an entire podcast series about moving with small children. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'd rather not. (laughs) I know you'd have to, you'd have to relive it. I know. I know. Um, what about you? Okay. Well, um, a more, perhaps a shorter list, but still some. So I was born in Oregon and moved to California when I was halfway through kindergarten. So I also did kindergarten in two different places. Um, Do you remember your kindergartens? So my Oregon kindergarten was actually just a continuation of my Montessori school. You know how Montessori can be like, you know, I was kindergarten age, but I was still, and I have really vague memories of that classroom, probably because it was, I was probably in it from three, four, five, all in the same. And then I have very, very clear memories of the kindergarten I entered in Santa Barbara when we moved exactly halfway through the year. So January, I started there. Um, between kindergarten and third grade, we actually lived in four different houses in four years, all within the same school district. So I was not moving schools, but I did move houses a whole bunch from between kinder and third grade. And then I stayed in the same house, um, through high school, went to college, obviously across the country. So that was a, like a, you know, a college move. And I also studied abroad in college. So it was around there. Um, and then Brian and I moved from Chicago to Arizona as kind of like a young engaged couple. It was the year we were engaged, but not yet married. Um, in Arizona, we made two crosstown moves in the almost 10 years we were there. So we had an apartment and then two different houses in those um, almost 10 years. And then six years ago, most listeners of this podcast know we moved from Arizona to Orange County. I had three little kids for that move. And that was like a move across state. I had by that time, I had an elementary schooler and a preschooler and a toddler. So it was definitely like 
it's it felt like a more grown up move because I dealt with right. things like changing schools. You had a lot of things. Yeah, yeah there were yeah. those things like schools and friends were starting to be part of our life in Arizona. Um, you know, even those kind of the early stages of that. So it definitely felt like the most grown up move that we've done, and that was six years ago. And now, da, 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 we have made a big decision this summer. Just the last few weeks, actually, we are making a a well. It's a very big decision move. It's only about a two and a half hour away move. We're moving back to my hometown of Santa Barbara um, this summer, and it's really happening. So I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is crazy. I mean, I, I'll try to give just the the brief background. Um, this was not. We're going to talk later about aspirational moves like that we fantasize about in the future. This was like a maybe after our kids are out of school type of fantasy. I mean, my parents live here. It's the town where I grew up. It's my favorite place in the world. But our kids were so rooted in schools and we were, you know, we loved Orange County and we had a lot of great things going for us there. So this was never something we were really seriously considering, honestly, until COVID. And yeah, and so I I really had this this one day where I just thought COVID has really changed everything about the way Brian does his work, the way my kids are at school. And I was feeling kind of bummed about the next, not just the current reality, but really the next year or more. Um, and it just seemed like it presented an opportunity to do something a little bit crazy, something that we wouldn't have done if things were plugging along as normal, because it would have, to me, it would have felt kind of disruptive. My kids are entering seventh fifth and second grades, which are legitimately yeah. middle of their school career grades. And they're, they're involved with friends and activities. Um, but we're living through this, these unprecedented times as, as they keep yes. being, we keep being told that we're <laughs> living through. Um, and so it, it forced us to like, kind of make a decision that we might not have otherwise made. And it was, when I say forced, that's the wrong word. It invited us to think about, um, doing a big transition that we probably wouldn't have made otherwise. And then, and then that brought up questions like, we're not going to ever regret having, you know, more time cl really close to family. If we do go into like shutdowns again in the next couple of years, we'll be five minutes from my parents and not three hours. We can do the front porch thing more easily or, you know, the six feet distance thing. Um, we're very excited about just the community here and some of the longer term school opportunities, like the middle and high school opportunities for our kids. So I don't think you mentioned that you're recording from Santa Barbara right oh, yeah. now. So when I so say that's here, where you are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I'm, I'm, uh, I haven't moved quite that fast. I am at my parents' house and we come up here a lot in the summer anyway. So in some, some ways doesn't feel that different. Um, yeah. So we kind of took the uncertainty of COVID and we kind of turned it into another big uncertainty, which is, you know, school changes for our kids and like big changes for us. But um, we are very excited and um, just feel like it. Yeah, we, we feel like we were able to make an opportunity out of something that was feeling like a lot of our life had been sort of stripped away there yeah. um, in a way that was, you know, not going to return to normal super soon. I love everything about this. Well, first of all, I bet there's a lot of people in the same boat right now because it's like every you don't want to make those big moves or it's harder to make those big moves when everything is stable and normal yeah. and, you know, when things are just plugging along. But then when everything is uprooted, it's like, why not just pile on and uproot the other thing, too? Because either way, like nothing is normal. Right. So it's almost like just double down on not normal. Yes. And then later it'll be normal again, whatever the new normal actually looks like in two years. Otherwise, if 
if this was a movie you were thinking about making anyway in five or seven or 10 years, you'd have to do it all again. Like you'd have to uproot your lives. And, you know, I think that like, um, with how weird school is maybe going to be in the Mm -hmm. fall and how different life is right now and people's business, um, and work opportunities may change because of the area that they're in. I just think this is going to be a hot topic over the next year. So I'm excited that you're doing this and I get to live vicariously because I love Santa Barbara. Uh, the couple times I've been there, it's awesome. And so well, you'll get to come visit someday. Yes. Someday. Someday when that's happening again. Yeah. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, we're back, and we're going to kind of start with move fantasies, because I think everybody can relate to this, even if you don't have an imminent move like the one I'm in the middle of. So, Megan, I'm curious how common it is and has been for you to fantasize about moving, because I have a theory that some people do this more than others. And I know just from friends that some people really lean into moving fantasies and others maybe less. I mean, I am a fantasizer. I am a dreamer, right? That's what I do. And I used to be like an obsessive moving fantasizer all the time. Um, For the first 10 years uh, after having kids, John's job really kept us moving anyway. So like 
moves were always on the list of possible things that could happen. And often what would happen is he'd have a couple opportunities like that he could go and it'd be like this city or that city. And then I'd get excited about one mm-hmm. of the locations and then we would just go for it. So several of our moves were kind of built around that. Um, and there was something about that adventure that was, I really loved when the kids were little, like it felt very much like we all pulled together when, when everyone's small and you're not really doing much anyway, except all as a unit, it felt like we were just this team and yep. we were all like moving as a team. And that worked. Um, I will say, so we've moved, we've lived in this current town that we're in now for the last 12 years. For the first, you know, five, seven years, I definitely was still thinking about, I definitely still had like the idea that we'd move again on my mind. Like I didn't feel like this would be our last stop with the kids. I thought there'd be at least one more big move, maybe to Grand Rapids, which is like an hour and a half away. I thought about that for a while. Um, maybe we'd make a bigger move. I'll talk about that one a little bit later, like a really huge, like year long trip or something, but it has become less frequent for me over the past five years because we got settled here. And then as the kids got older, the benefits of that novelty started to feel kind of outweighed by the hassles and downsides, Mm -hmm. um, because we just got rooted. And then over the past four years, we've been divorced or divorcing and then divorced. So that adds like a huge level of complication. It's not even just complicated, um, to move out of the city. It might not even be possible. Mm -hmm. So it's become kind of like backburnered. Um, and I think for me now, what it, what I think about is I know this isn't my forever town. I'm not going to retire here. Like that's not, that's not what's going to happen for me. But like now the kids are all going to be out of the house, like in seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of just keep letting this like fantasy of moving simmer in the background without actually having to worry about it Mm -hmm. right now. Um, especially because, you know, parenting time and, and custody issues aside, I think I now, it's one thing to all move together as a unit, but when the other parent and you don't live together, it stops, it stops feeling fun to me. Like Mm -hmm. I want the stability more than I want the adventure right now. So I'm, I'm now kind of scratching that adventure itch thinking, what will I do when my kids are older? And I'm not even going to be 50 years old when they're all out of the house or, you know, on their way out of the house. So then I can do literally whatever I want. So that's, you know, that, that has definitely kind of, um, tamped down my need to feel like I need to do anything immediately. Yeah. I'm not obsessing about it, but I definitely play out different possibilities well, in my mind. And I feel like seven to eight years away is actually short enough that you could meaningfully fantasize. If it were 15, yeah. 15 years away, it just feels like, gosh, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But, you know, with a seven to eight year timeline, in three or four years, you could start making plans. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So well, there's already things I could start doing. Like I can research places and like cost of living and mm-hmm. all, there's lots of little tiny things I'm kind of already doing, um, to get me there, yeah. you know? So yeah. 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 Well, not surprisingly, I, you call yourself a dreamer and a fantasizer. I am not a very good one. And I, you know, this is just my personality. It's hard for, and not just about moving a a lot of long-term visioning is hard for me. It's hard for me to mentally kind of create a hypothetical. And I think for a couple reasons, one, then I get impatient and it feels disappointing or, or like a takeaway if that thing cannot become real. So I think that's one reason is it's like a little bit of like an emotional protection zone that, that if I can't have it, then why would I dream it. That's one. And then the other is, you know, I'm really good at actually like making something real with details and planning once, once it is a possibility. So 
right. dreaming and fantasizing, it's hard for me to separate that by then thinking of all the things that would actually need to happen to make that occur in real right. life. Like the yes. two aren't separate in my mind. But that said, it's I'm it's not impossible. Um, so a couple of things that I've always um, had fun dreaming about. I love setting up a new space or a new house or even a new room from scratch. And so that has always been a fantasy. And that's that's especially when your house is cluttered or, or you just want like a reset. Um, when other people move, I find myself thinking, oh, wouldn't that be fun to just have like a totally blank mm-hmm. slate? So, you know, I've I've fantasized about that or I've fantasized about like a neighborhood. If I drive through a neighborhood and it's just really pretty and has a lot of charm and character. So, you know, I'm not without that ability, but it's definitely, I'm not as prone to it as you are. I would say when I have had moving aspirations, they've either been something that's actually very doable, like maybe moving across town to a neighbor, a different neighborhood or having a home that with a bigger yard or something that's like, you know, a little on the doable side, or it's very, very future. Cause then I can think, you know, 20 years from now, or when we're retired, wouldn't it be fun to, you know, have a little apartment in a big city or something like that. It feels so removed that I don't have to bother with the details. So, yeah. Right. That's yes. Of, it's it's it more like. like you're just it's like a movie. Yeah, it's like someone like else's movie starring. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think that um you know, the something like the feeling of setting up a new space and fantasizing about that, that's like taking something that's almost too big to wrap your arms around and then and then putting like creating a little doable detail, yeah. right? Like yeah. yeah. So it all builds on that because basically when you move, it's like that times a hundred, but, but each thing, but each thing happens independently mm-hmm. too, to some degree. Like you, you set up one room and then you set up the next, yeah. like you line up the dominoes and you knock them down. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that all makes sense. Um, I like to think about, about future, you know, pretend Sarah living in a little apartment in the city too. Yes. Yes. Well, and it, it could happen. Um, well, have you ever had a big aspirational move that, that now that ship has sailed or that didn't happen, or maybe talk through a time when you thought you wanted something and then it didn't happen for whatever reason. Cause I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, I've had so many, like I've <laughs> had too many to count. I can't even remember them all. I, I know that in my early days of child rearing, I had some like, you know, off the grid fantasies. That was probably my biggest aspiration. Like that just never went anywhere. I wanted to move the whole family to South America for a year. I didn't expect to like live there long-term. Um, this was about seven or eight years ago. And I did a lot of research, like a ton of research. We had timelines, everything. Like I had sent emails to the school to find out what I'd have to do about taking the kids out for a year. And it didn't happen for a variety of reasons. I'm still a little sad about it. Although now when I look back, it's like, I can't even imagine a life in which that trip had happened or that experience had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, much like I can't imagine a life in which like I would have lived off the grid with five little kids. Like I just, I just can't imagine it now. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how anything that doesn't happen is right. Yeah. When you look back in hindsight and go, man, the way it really did go versus the way I kind of fantasized about it happening. It's just, they don't, they do not uh, go together. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I always wanted to live like in a hip urban neighborhood in a big city, probably New York city um, or Chicago or someplace like that. And now I don't really ever see myself wanting that quite the same way again. Although I do love to visit the city. I don't have the same pull to move mm-hmm. back. Like I used to move there. Like I used to, um, we did live in the city of Chicago, but it was a very residential neighborhood, very quiet. And then we actually did live in a really hip urban neighborhood in Minneapolis, which I absolutely loved. But then like, if you don't have the budget to take advantage of city yeah. living. And at the time I had two like really tiny kids, it just was not quite what I had fantasized about. So 
I couldn't even listen. I probably have 10 other places that I've gone into serious like research mode about um, because for so long that thinking about the next place was just like the way I was wired. Like yeah. it was just constant background chatter in my mind. I did not anticipate staying in a small town like St. Joe as long as I have. But now that I'm here, the longer I'm here, the more that background chatter has quieted. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, you? Yeah. The, I mean, the one that comes up for me of something that I aspired to and never realized is really going all the way back to when I was a teenager. I just fantasized hard about living in really specifically Boston or New York, but like you said, big city, urban life. And I just was very fixated on kind of the romance of an older established East coast city and how like studious I'd be and writerly I'd be if I lived there, went to college there. And, you know, I ended up outside Chicago and loved it, but high school, Sarah, like had a very specific fantasy (laughs) in mind that never really got realized. Um, And that's not to take anything away from the city of Chicago where I did live. And I did have like a city life for a period of time, but there was, it was such a well-formed fantasy when I was about 17 um, about not just a college experience, but a young adult experience in Boston or New York that, that, that ship has for sure sailed. I mean, I still, if I watch movies or shows with some kind of brownstone situation going on, I, it still fires up those neurons and maybe there's a, maybe there's a brownstone in my long, you know, long future planning, but it's most likely that that ship has sailed. I'm certainly not going to be 22 in Boston ever again. Right. You know, (laughs) so I blame friends. Yeah. Um, Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I think we, a lot of us had that very and very, um, very unrealistic totally as totally. well, because what young, you know, 20 somethings and you know, like maybe they went into their thirties could afford to live the way they did totally. in Manhattan. It was like ridiculous, but we were raised on that yes. stuff. Not just, and not just friends, but like Sex that whole city. New York city yes. living yep. thing was prevalent in the eighties and nineties for yes. sure. And even going back to the books I read, I think we've talked about this on yep. other episodes, the books we read as kids or, yep. you know, about kids, the Judy Bloom books that kids living in apartment buildings and, like it was. Did also, you ever read Harriet the Spy? That you know, was another one. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I have read that one, and um, I mean everything. Everything took place in New York, and I I wanted some of that. Um, okay, well, let's talk about right now. I'm going to ask you because I'm in the middle of a move. But what moves? Right. Like you can't right think now, about another one. <laughs> what's your yeah. What's your fantasy right now, or what What is that aspirational move for you right now? So the funny thing is, I think I kind of burned myself out on the big city fantasies. I still have to visit, but I don't really want to move in a big city. I've gone like completely in the other direction, which is like middle of the woods with nobody around. Um, And I don't know what I'll actually wind up doing when the kids are gone. I have a feeling it will likely be a mix. Like I'll probably have a place in a, you know, in a small city or a small, like a, like a mid, like a medium sized city Mm -hmm. maybe. And then probably we'll have some property. Um, and then I probably will go to the big city a couple times a year for people watching and go see shows and stuff like that. Um, but I used to really love being surrounded by all that noise and activity. And now when I go into like Chicago, I find that I like it for short doses, but it overwhelms me. Like mm-hmm. I just am done mm-hmm. pretty fast. And I have really leaned more towards quiet and just being surrounded by trees. And I can just see myself like heading down that path. Yeah. And um, I also have definitely felt a big call to go back to Northern Michigan where I was raised. And every time I go up there into the the upper peninsula, I'm like, yeah, this feels like right to me. Mm -hmm. So I look at property up there and fantasize about it. Um, I'm just not sure yet whether that would be a real move 
or just a place to have like a vacation spot for my family. Like, I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I could start moving toward even in the next few years, I could start moving towards setting myself up for that. So that's kind of a fun thing. It's kind of like a fun, like stop on the way to somewhere. Like something relatively attainable. Right. Let's dig into this a little bit because I am also moving to the place where I was raised. Do you think there's something about being in our 40s and the what is it about the pull of because not everybody's hometown is gorgeous. Not everybody was raised like in a place they want to move back to. Um, There's certainly things that aren't ideal, probably about both of the places that you and I were raised. But what is it about the pull home? And do you think that's a common experience? What I find is interesting is I can tell that people who have kind of stayed in the same region where they grew up and didn't leave and then come back, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like it becomes a little more, I don't want to say they're bored of it. I just don't think that they recognize it the same way you do when you leave and come back. Mm -hmm. And it's just, to me, I do think there's something cellular about it. Like when I I get like a few miles or a few hours North and the trees start to change and it just starts to have this Northern Michigan feeling. Like, I feel like it's like tugging me, like keep coming, keep going North, keep going North. And I don't know if it's just things that I don't even remember that I remember from being a little kid that the way the air smells and the way it feels like it's different. It feels very familiar. And I don't know that you can recognize how familiar it feels unless you leave for a while and come back. I agree. It doesn't like if I'd just been immersed in it the whole time, it would just be normal. I agree. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I think it probably is. It probably is a pretty, um, it, it's just this feeling of like, this is like what, this is who I am and this yeah. is what I was supposed to be. So I, I totally yeah. agree. And I will say that not only did I leave for a long time, but also my parents left for a period of about eight mm-hmm. years where they didn't live in the town that I grew up in. So there was no one actually, there wasn't like home to go home to. Um, right. And that was a very unsettling feeling. And I was an adult. I was an, I was a married yeah. adult, young married. And then, you know, with small kids and they lived in that for a lot of that time, they actually lived in Scottsdale where we lived. So I had my parents in the same town, but I, but my parents were not in the place I'd grown up. So I had no reason or ability to go home. And that was weird and unsettling. And you don't have family up there necessarily anymore. So it's not the pull of, it's not always the pull of family. It's the pull of the place. I I didn't have, I have no close family. I have some cousins and like an uncle up there that I rarely see, but like, I, I did not visit. I did not go back to upper, the upper peninsula of Michigan for probably close to 10 years Mm -hmm. after I left, maybe once, maybe I went once to visit, but like, it was not a thing. It's Mm -hmm. really just been in the last five to seven that we've really started going up there a lot. And so, yeah, I had a long break from it and there's, it's not a pull. It's, it's, it's a place. Yeah. The pull is a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Really interesting. So yeah, I know it is. I'm I'm curious what listeners think if they have experienced it the same way. Um, so you're actually doing one of your aspirational <laughs> moves. Like, so that's why you can't aspire to another one right now. But does this feel like a forever thing, like the town or the house or how does that feel to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's still very new. All of this has transpired in the last, within a month, but really seriously within like the last three weeks. Um, and yeah, you guys really pulled it together. We did. <laughs> we did. Apparently yeah. I don't like fantasize for a very long time. I just like fantasize real quick and then decide to do something crazy. Um, it does feel more forever than any of our other moves. I, I still feel open to, it's just hard to know what the second, you know, half of my life or more is going to look like. 
Um, but I feel that sense of place, that that cellular homeness that you just described. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I have felt that. And in the last six years that we've been in Orange County, we've been a two and a half to three hour drive away from this place. So I have been able to like feel like it was a home away from home, which was both wonderful, but then also just made me realize I wasn't quite home yet. Like I was close, but right. not all the way there. Um I love my house in Orange County, which I, as of this recording, is still my house. It is not sold yet. Um, and I really love that house. I love it probably more than any other house that I've lived in. But when people would ask, like, is this your forever house? Like, are your kids going to, you know, go to, all through high school in this neighborhood and in this house? And I would always kind of pause and like, that was hard for me to picture. And maybe just because I'm, I'm bad at fantasizing, but I just couldn't, I didn't know. And now, now obviously I, I, I know they're not going to go through high school in that house and that that house was one step for us, but not the forever. This move does feel like it could be forever. Um, as of this recording, everyone, please cross your real estate fingers. We are, (laughs) we are in the early escrow period on a house here. I just still feel like there are things that could change, but is that house that is hopefully ours. Is that the forever house? I feel more like it could be than any other house I've lived in, but I still think it's wide open for, you know, for possibility. And I'll also say I've seen my parents um, who are in their mid sixties and early seventies between the two of them. um, I've seen them make several big moves and big decisions in the last few years of their careers. And then into retirement that they're, I mean, they would have said those were surprising decisions and moves. They ended up moving back here to Santa Barbara. They thought they had a different plan. So I've also seen that there can be big moves and big changes in that stage of your life too. So I'm not going to say forever, but it feels really good. I'll say that. Well, and forever, I mean, can be interpreted a lot of ways. I don't know, like, like forever through getting your kids through school is one kind of forever. It's like there. Yeah. And then there's like the next stage. And I mean, I find it hard. People are so mobile and people live a long time now. And it's like at the age of 42, I would find it difficult to imagine any place my truly forever home. Sure. Like sure. just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but the, the, the place itself maybe. Yeah. No. It, and it feels, yeah. it feels right in that way that you yeah. were describing. Um, and so, yeah, so that's really exciting. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. 
We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Sarah. So I have some questions um, that I'm wanting you to tackle first because you are right in the middle of this process. And, you know, a two and a half hour move is a big deal because like everything has to kind of, you know, we'll get into this more in part two, but like all of the details kind of have to come together all at once Yes, in a way, like they're separate, but they all, they're like en masse. So I know that you're doing a lot of thinking yes. about that right now. So let's talk about some of the big questions that come up when you're planning a move. Like, so maybe you're at the point when you're shifting the you, you know, I th- we had a funny conversation like a week ago or something. And I, cause I was starting to get excited about Santa Barbara. And then I was like, so am I allowed to be excited about this yet? Yeah. Is this like a real thing? And, and I think you literally had decided like that day, you're like, oh no, it's, the, it's happening yeah. for sure. Yeah. So like, how do you get, like, how does that work when you go from this would be cool to we're doing this? How do you make that transition? And then what yeah. happens? Well, and it, there's been so much, um, uh, this whole time I've been describing my brain as like one of those scenes from a movie where someone like Goodwill hunting or the beautiful mind where someone has all of the calculus equations <laughs> on a chalkboard yes. and like, they just stand back and they look at it and then they walk up to it and they change one little thing and then they stand back and they look at it again, but it's all interrelated. And I don't even really understand calculus, but that's what it has felt like, which is to say, We've done a lot of stepping back and saying, okay, what if it all looks like this? And then we'll step forward and we'll like kind of go down a rabbit hole of one detail. And then we'll step back and we'll realize that detail kind of changes the rest. So, you know, backing up, we decided relatively quickly that we thought we could do this. The first conversation was around Brian's job. And that was relatively short because there is an office up here. He does have remote working flexibility right now during COVID. And there is a there is a long-term opportunity for him up here. And for that, we are so fortunate. And I can just say that I know that there's many, you know, many job situations where you can't just decide to move somewhere and, and your job right. is waiting for you. There's a few reasons why it worked out that way. But that was number one was obviously like, can we be employed? Um, but once we were, once we knew that and we felt that the rest of the logistics and finances could work out, it became this web of school. I mean, my children are entering second, fifth, and fifth is so tricky because in Orange County, fifth would be the end of elementary school. In most parts of Santa Barbara, they do still go through sixth. 
Um, and then seventh and eighth is junior high and then high school. But in either way, fifth is either going to be the last or the second to last year of elementary school, which means you look at another school change within two years or less. So that's really tricky for poor Reed. Yeah. And then seventh grade for Allegra, which um, the good news is a seventh grade is a a year of change for a lot of kids in this area because they might be changing schools to go to like a junior high, but it's still only two years away from high school. So for my older two kids, it's not just like, where will they be in the fall, but kind of needing a line of sight. Okay. So then, so school is a big, big question. Um, And then location of housing. And I think most people who've moved can relate to this. It's not just, it's not unique to California or Santa Barbara in almost every area you look in, there's some kind of um, trade-off or, or, benefit, reward, risk, reward, benefit between if you go to this area, your, your dollar goes a lot farther. You might get a bigger home, um, but maybe the schools aren't as good, or maybe you're farther from the part of town. Maybe your commute is longer. There's, there's so often some kind of like, okay, we could have the perfect house, but it wouldn't be in the best location, or we could have the perfect location and it wouldn't be the best house or, or introduce four other variables. And there's like this puzzle, right? So we did a lot of that, um, house and school and area neighborhood school district, like, I don't know, just talking about it and just kind of yeah. weighing. And so it is not easy. Um, and then, you know, there are things like the timing, obviously we're, we're pulling this trigger in the summer in preparation for a fall that we don't even know what the fall school situation will look like. But sometimes that, you know, I've moved in January before at the start of a calendar year, sometimes timing of the move is, is one of those, um, situations. Some families are faced with like, and you've probably done this, I'm sure Megan, um, where one spouse goes ahead and works, you know, or, or you do some kind of long distance thing. We're not faced with that right now, mostly because of COVID, um, and every, everything's remote anyway. Um, so that's kind of where we went. And I guess, um, I know in a, in a little bit, we're going to get into like how those decisions get made, but I'm just acknowledging that it, what it feels like is one decision we made, which is to move our family to Santa Barbara, which then, which then launches that calculus whiteboard or chalkboard. And it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I know we'll get into this like idea though, that there is, there really isn't such a thing as the perfect lineup. Um, I know we're going to dig into that in a little bit, but I think it's tempting to think like if, if all of the pieces fall into place perfectly, then like, you know, that there's a way to make that happen. And, yeah. um, I think it's interesting for the first half of my adult life, almost all of our moves were dictated by following a job or an opportunity in another city. And tech and typically the cities were far away. Mm-hmm. And typically we did not have an opportunity to go visit and like hang out in that city before we decided to move. So like, and we were moving far distances with little kids. Yeah. So there were a couple times we would stay with family. I remember that doing that a couple times, like move someplace, stay with family while we figure it out. But like, there's still things had to get decided pretty quick. Yep. And some decisions had to be made before we left mm-hmm. like schools. Like we had to kind of at least get the kids enrolled somewhere or know something that was going to happen. So a lot of the decisions were made on the fly and the criteria that we followed were often location-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and like cost of living based. And so it, it just didn't allow us to do much to have a lot of that strategic calculus going on. Yeah. It was like, we had to make everything line up behind one decision. Yeah. And then since living here in St. Joe with the moves being in town, they've become slow and strategic and like leisurely, like usually it's been like, okay. So one of the things that's interesting about having five kids is that your housing needs change dramatically, mm. pretty pretty often. 
So when there's five little kids, you can live in a pretty small space and they all hang as long as there's like a toy room and they're all sharing rooms and they don't care. That's one thing. Then they get big and like that little cute Cape Cod that seemed to work so well when they were, you know, little. Now there's like these lanky legs, like <laughs> locking up the doorways and, um, you know, the bedrooms, like the kids whack their heads on those ceilings when they're upstairs and they don't want to share a room anymore. So then it's like, we've made a lot of moves here that have been simply because the house just wasn't working for yeah. us anymore. And for a variety of reasons. And, and often, oh, and now it's kind of going in the other direction where kids are growing up and moving out. And like, there's other ones that are on the horizon to move out in two years. I'll be down another kid or two, mm -hmm. you know, right now I've got two adult kids kind of coming back and forth. I don't anticipate that to be the case in two years. And then William is very much college bound. So in two years, I could have two kids in my house rather than five. Yeah. It makes, it makes huge differences. And yeah. even like, what you're thinking about or looking at. So I don't know. I just think the way that we've done it now, the questions that come up now are very different than the questions that came up when the kids were, you know, two, four and yeah, you know, yeah, like six and eight or however, yeah. however far apart they are in ages. It's just, it, they're different. And you almost have to just pick the one, the one or two things that make the most difference and then build the rest around that. Yeah. 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 So then let's talk about that. How do those decisions get made? How do you know what to prioritize? And then let's talk about that decision paralysis, mm -hmm. um, this idea that there's one perfect way to do it. And like, how are you dealing with that right now? Well, yeah. And as you were talking about moves getting more strategic, it was occurring to me, even though your and my situations have been different, we're both now in our 40s and we've both seen through our own moves that like, um, that no one thing is perfect. So even mm. though I'm making it sound like, well, we've been so stressed out and there's all these decisions, I do think I have a calmer sensibility about it all than I would have if I was 27 and had two little babies. Cause I think if you haven't, if you haven't moved at all, it can feel like every decision is forever. So, um, right. part of it is, is learning through doing it. And so I think both you and I can speak from that place of, um, we know it's probably going to be okay. But yeah, I do think, I think the order of operations is what's felt really challenging with this move. Like if we find a house in this particular location, great. We're close to my parents maybe, or we love the home maybe, but then that automatically like kind of makes these schooling decisions more difficult, for example. And then we've done that. We, I mean, we went back and forth so many times on different scenarios. I think what has helped me this time about actually making decisions is a couple of things. One is just being able to talk and talk and talk and dialogue with Brian and also with my parents about this kind of complicated interconnectedness and the pros and cons of each decision. Um, I'm normally more of like a solo processor. Like I'll go for a walk, I'll think about it, and then I'll come to Brian and be like, okay, I figured it all out, which I'm sure is frustrating to be married to someone like me because I don't, I don't always process out loud with other people. And I kind of have like a stubbornness about like, figuring things out on my own. But at this magnitude of decision making, I really benefit. And of course, it does. It's not about me. It's about my whole family. So it's been great to dialogue about it and just be able to talk and talk and talk. Um, we've had to kind of do that not around the kids. And that's hard because we're still staying at home with our family most of the time. Um, but I've I've wanted to protect them from they don't need all the pros and cons. They don't need to get excited about one scenario right. only to find out that that's not actually possible. So we've had to I've had to be careful about that. So talking about it and dialoguing and and hearing other people's opinions, not everybody's, like not throwing it out on social media, but within my trusted circle, hearing 
having other humans to kind of talk about it with has been helpful. And then, you know, it's it's validating to have one of those people say like, wow, yeah, I see that. Like that is tricky. Um, and then another thing that's been really helpful is just whichever one thing clicks into place first, even if it does that in a way that's maybe not my first choice or not totally within my control. Once one thing, and we're, we're in this phase right now, like one thing clicks into place and it really does, it helps um, reduce the number of other variables. Even if the first thing to click into place is, you know, not your favorite or not your first choice, but at least it's decided. So we're moving to this place where at least we know one thing, which makes the other, the decision tree starts to like prune itself. Does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. there's things that fall away because they just don't make sense anymore. If we're going to attend this school, then this doesn't make sense anymore and et cetera, et cetera. So a part of it has been patience, like just knowing that this will work itself out. Um, a lot of trust that like nothing is, nothing is irreversible. And that's something we've talked on this show about, right? Like big decisions are big and they're scary and they carry with them repercussions for sure. But even the biggest decisions are possible to change course or to, you know, to completely, you can, there's a lot that you can back out of, even if you think you can't, right? You can pull a kid yeah. from a school that isn't working two weeks into the school year. Do we want to do that? No, of course we don't. But but people do it all the time. And I think right. uh, what I would offer our listeners, and we've said this about other parenting decisions, is like really reminding yourself that the stakes are probably lower than you think. I mean, we tend to we tend to make these things into really like top of the mountain, important decisions. And even when they are, there might be more flexibility than you think. If it doesn't work out, you change course. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of, did I, I, I don't even know where I went with that, but. <laughs> well, I, it, no, it's helpful. And I think that what, what, you know, it seems what you did quickly, even though in your mind, it felt like all these nebulous and the way I always think of it, you describe the calculus on the board and like, um, a beautiful mind. But the way I think of it is like, there's all these things floating above my head uh -huh. and I'm just grabbing and like trying to grab one and pull it down. Oh, and I yeah. like, it doesn't make any sense, but if I can just grab one thing and pull it down, then some of the things just go away. They don't, they're not yes. relevant anymore. Um, and that makes this, the, the floating circle is tighter and tighter. And so like, this is a great example. If for you, it probably feels like forever that you've been like in this soup, like yes. navigating the soup of uncertainty, but you guys made a decision pretty quickly. Yeah, no, like, it ha really that hasn't one decision been very long. Yeah. That will now inform every other decision you make. And sometimes just deciding something is like, you have to decide something to get yep. the ball moving. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, um, just all the things you just described, it really gets at the heart of why the moves I've, it, you know, embarked on since moving into St. Joe have really been so unambitious. Um, we had been living in Chicago with four little kids. I loved it there. We had this, you know, beautiful early 20th century three flat. We had two floors of it. It was like, I felt like it was our first really grown up home. Mm -hmm. It felt very city, so much character, nice neighborhood, good friends. We could take advantage of cool city stuff, but the school decisions were so hard there. Mm -hmm. Um, it was getting really complicated. It was unlike anything I'd ever dealt with. So like, and you know, big cities are all different the way they do schools, but in Chicago, it's very like, unless you have the, the money to move into a neighborhood with a great local school, you're kind of playing a lottery system and it would be possible that my kids could end up in different schools. Yeah, um, and so I was just like, oh my gosh, getting around is already a hassle. So that, how am I going to get the kids to schools in different areas. And then I was like, when am I going to work? And then I got <laughs> pregnant with Clara and we just said, Nope, like I'm out. I can't do this with five kids. 
And so we literally made our move to St. Joe based on two criteria. Um, one was that I already, I had friends and my sister-in-law Jenna worked for the school system here. I knew it was a great school district. So, and I knew it had like three elementary schools, one middle school and one high school. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So like that simplified everything. Yep. And then there was the fact that my brother and Jenna live here and they had young kids too. And since then, every move we've made in this town, those two criteria have been the stabilizing factors. Yep. I've just made sure we stayed near the same elementary school. And I just made sure we stayed within pretty easy distance of family. Mm-hmm. So that has eliminated so many options. And I'm glad for that because yeah. otherwise there's lots of little towns around here we could have moved to. There's lots of like places just outside the city limits where we could have gone, but that would have messed up one of those two criteria. Yeah. And I felt like just having those two things as like my fail safes just made it made the last 12 years simple, even if it wasn't always easy. Yeah. Um, and even if it limited my choices a lot, which isn't always easy for me, but sometimes I need to have my choices limited or I just spin. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is now those things are becoming less important. So Claire's yeah. out of elementary school. My kids are, you know, more and more of them are driving. Um, being really close to family isn't as important because everyone's more mobile. And, you know, I don't know. So who knows in the future how yeah. that will look. But I do think that, it's possible that we missed out on some opportunities. Mm-hmm. We might've missed out on homes that have been more perfect. If we'd brought in our search, we probably have paid a little more money than we needed to do over the years. But the, so far, the simplicity has been worth the trade-off. Um, and I think that as my kids get older and more outwardly focused, I'll be able to kind of like loosen the reins a little bit on yeah. that clampdown that I've had, but it's been really, really useful for the last 12 years. Yeah, no, I can totally so, see that. Um, I also yeah. want to just bring back COVID for a second because. Oh yeah. Can we talk about that? Because <laughs> COVID has taught so many of, well, you and I worked remotely online already. So yeah. there are some of us who work on the internet where it didn't change, but for a lot of businesses and business models and school systems and education systems and fill in the blank, everything, um, people learn very quickly how to, what does work to do online or remotely or virtually, what doesn't. Um, and I think that will probably be changing some people's priorities as it relates to where they live and how close they live to certain people. I know for me, um, living two and a half, three hours from my parents for the first several years felt great because we could do long weekends. If the kids had some big school play, they could come down and stay the night. I will say it is one of the worst two and a half to three hour drives you can imagine. It's just on the 405 the whole time. So I, I, I've done other three hour drives that feel lovely. This is not a particularly great one and it's not one you can Mm. do at any time of day. Otherwise it'll be five hours. Um, but it felt fine. But in the time, in this new time that we're living in, it made me really think about, okay, what does that look like if we're five minutes? If every time my sister who lives out of state, if every time that she comes to visit, we're not trying to do this triangulated, like now, how do we all get into the same place? Um, so yeah, I, I've been joking. COVID made me do it, but I, I bring that up again because I think a, a lot of people's job and school situations, um, even if we're looking forward to hopefully going back to normal, we've learned to do things in a remote way. Brian's company, mm-hmm. you know, the, the headquarters is in Denver right now. It's been in different places and they were leaning in hard on, you know, the, if you were on some kind of a leadership track, Denver was going to be the place to be. And I don't think it's, you know, as of this recording, I don't think that's the mentality anymore for a lot of companies because yeah. they realize that 
leaders and executives and managers can work from anywhere. So anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I think it's relevant as people come into this next phase of whatever we're looking at, 2020, 2021, et cetera. It's definitely forced a huge societal change that I, I agree. You know, whenever we get back to normal, it's not going to look the way it did before. Yeah. So there's opportunity yeah. there um, and might make things possible that weren't. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the harder parts, um, the emotional parts of going from, you know, to actually making these moves. You tell people that's exciting, but then you have to say goodbye to people and that's hard. And the relationship part, you know, you maybe are gaining something and losing something else. Yeah. Um, you know, when do you make it official? When, how do you say those goodbyes? Yeah, so. this is, um, this is hard for me. And it's funny because I'm not a super emotional or sentimental person usually, um, except we've talked about it. Like it'll hit me later. I'm a, I'm a hit. It hits me later type of person. But I have done this three times significantly, um, moving Chicago, Arizona, Arizona to Orange County, and now Orange County to Santa Barbara. All three times, it came up pretty fast, and it was surprising to a lot of people. So it wasn't the type of move where you say, oh, I think I think in the next couple of years, we'll make a move, and you talk about it openly, and your friends kind of know that it's your dream. Right. In all three times, it came up relatively quickly. It was relatively kind of secret for a little while, just because of jobs and details and stuff like that. And then we like... Mike dropped it. And, and I don't know why, maybe it's us or maybe just circumstance. It's been like that all three times. And I will just tell you, it is hard. It's hard for me to have the same kind of conversation over and over again. And I think that's just emotionally draining, even if it's mostly a positive conversation. I'm not going to lie, copied and texted um, like some text into different text chains. And I, I changed it for each person, but it just felt like I don't know. Dropping big news on other people feels like emotionally draining for me. And yeah. then there I would was, do the same. I mean, yeah. why type it? The I same know. Thing a million I know. Times. Yeah. Um, our school community, our little scrappy charter school I've talked about a million times is really tight knit. Um, that was hard telling our school we were leaving. It felt like, I don't know, like we don't love you anymore. Yes. Like a breakup. <laughs> yes. Our neighbor it felt like a breakup telling my close neighbors. Um, it felt like for, and then telling my kids was really, really, really hard. These are ages that, you know, I am just figuring out how to even parent tweens mm -hmm. in general, let alone uproot them from their school and their friends. That's very different from the six, four, the newly, newly six and four and one and a half the last time I did this. I mean, the older two kind of got it, but they were little. So this this felt different. Um, it felt like two weeks or a week and a half of having the same hard conversation over and over again and not having it be uh, any easier. Cause I just had, it was new every time for the other person. Um, so answering right. questions. And I think for me, there's a little bit of like, I don't know, you, you know how I like to over explain things. If I feel like insecure about a decision, I'll explain it to death. Right. I want you to know exactly that I've thought through everything that I, you know, that I've, that I'm making a good decision that blah, blah, blah. And so I think there's some of that, like a need, a need to prove or a need to show that like, other people that this is the right thing, which of course that's who cares, right? It's, it's our decision. So yeah, it, I, I don't really have much to say except it's been hard and now it's pretty public. Well, it's public because I'm talking mm. about it on the podcast. But, it is officially public now. Yeah. I haven't yeah. said anything on social media, not that I have to, but that feels like another thing you can do to, you know, right. get excited. And, and we've had more of the hard conversations than we have the conversations where people are excited that we're coming to town. There's fewer of those. Right. We've had, we've said more goodbyes than hellos at this point. So yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 
I guess for myself, I mean, I haven't had to leave friends behind in 12 years and I don't look forward to that part <laughs> of any move I make in the future. Um, when I've done it in the past, I left my sister. She lived in Lansing. We moved to Chicago. Um, and that was hard because we had, our kids had grown up together, our older kid or my yeah. older kids and her younger kids. And then, um, that was difficult. I had a, a, I had relationships there in a community that I was really engaged in and that was hard. And I have really haven't had to do that again because I wasn't in Chicago long enough to have yeah. really deep roots. Um, and I'm at the point now where I have put on, I put down some real roots here. And the funny thing is I get annoyed by those roots. I actually like to be kind of anonymous. I really like being in a new place or in a newish place and experiencing it without people knowing who I am. It's yeah. like a weird, like, no, I, I like to fly under the radar kind of a thing. And then the longer I've been here, the more impossible that is like my, you know, Jenna jokes that she's lived here much longer than me, but I did the radio thing for a while. And I just am, I'm a person who talks to people known. when I'm out. Yeah. I am known. And that's like, you, I can't walk five feet without bumping into someone in this town that I know or have worked with or had some involvement with. So it's like, like, imagine what it would be like to not have that anymore. It's been become such a part of my life. It's kind of hard to imagine. And I think it'll hurt, which makes me wonder, like, will I hang on to this area longer than I mm -hmm. really need to because of that? I don't know. Um, will I keep some kind of presence here? Like maybe have a place that is like home base? Maybe that. I don't know. Like there, it could look a lot of different ways. Um, and with Crosstown Moves, which we've done a lot of, there's not the same social and relationship issues, but there's still, there can be a lot of emotion about leaving a house yeah. behind, especially when that house has kind of been the place like the backdrop of a, a period of your life um that you have a lot of nostalgia for um moving around a divorce time is is a lot it was really emotional yeah. and yeah and another thing I was thinking about is the fact that the move I did two and a half ish years ago now was basically like I guess it was like more like two two and some change that was when we moved from after divorce moved into a teeny house mm -hmm. and so that was very much like a, I am going to put my head down and do something I don't really want to do, but I'm going to do it because that's the thing that needs to happen right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain grudging satisfaction in a move like that. And it felt like we were all pulling together and just making things work. Yeah. Um, but then that's a very different feeling from this year moving. We didn't have to move. We could have stayed in that house for years more, um, but we just had a better opportunity and mm -hmm. it was time. And so this is more aspirational and it's a big step up in a lot yeah. of ways. And so both moves are bittersweet. And Clara has said like, you know, she misses the old house. She loved that house so much. And I'm just Aww. laughing because I'm like, the house was so teeny tiny. And like, we, there was no room for any of us to do anything, but for her, it had a, a probably a security feeling to it yeah. that she really liked. So I think that no matter what the reasons behind the move or how far there's always emotion yep. um, wrapped up in it. And it's just sometimes more about the space and the memories in it than the people you're leaving behind. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've gone through both and all of the above. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I guess it's time to wrap up this one. This was really fun. And yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. And just a reminder, we love hearing from you by email. We're hello at the momhour.com. Hey, tell me if you live in the Santa Barbara area or if you have moved kids in late elementary school, middle school, older ages. I really would love to hear your experience. It's not without some anxiety on my part. Um, so yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for walking through this one with us. And, um, we're excited to continue this next week. Yeah. And we love when you email us. I would also love to know if anybody has any crazy aspirational moves you're thinking about or planning for the future. 
Also, don't forget to check out our sponsor, Groovy. They're a new alcohol-free beer and wine company, and they're offering 15% off your order when you use promo code MOMHOUR at getgroovy.com. Again, that's G-R-U-V-I, getgroovy.com. And don't forget, so next Tuesday, we will continue this discussion about moving and we'll get into some of the nitty gritty details of making it actually happen. So we'll be back with you then and we will talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.